I'm Simon Devereaux, Director of Global Talent Development at Framestore, and welcome to the Framestore podcast, a learning and talent development focused podcast made by Framestore for Framestore. In this two-part episode, instead of our usual format, we're dedicating this special edition to celebrating the incredible visual effects achievement that is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 by the Framestore team and its multitude of award nominations this year from the Visual Effects Society, Academy Awards, BAFTA and more. Our special guests for this week's podcast are the brilliant visual effects supervisor, Alexi Weisbrot, and lead animators, Pete Warbis and Chris McGaw. This is a wonderful conversation that I fully geeked out on, where we discuss favorite shots, nuanced character moments, exclusive behind the scenes stories, and a list of MVPs as long as most Oscar-winning speeches. all brought to you via the medium of our specially altered Framestore Daily's questions. Spoiler alert warning. Many plot details are discussed about the movie. So here we go. Grab your seat on the Bowie, click the play button on your Walkman, and buckle up as we take a journey across the galaxy of chat, armed with a box of tissues as we revisit Rocket's backstory and the incredible work of our global Framestore crew. This is episode 38, part one of our Guardians 3 Awards special. I am Groot. Hello and welcome to a brand new two-part episode of the Framestore podcast, episode 38, part one. Now, to get into our specially altered Framestore dailies questions, we have three very special guests. They are visual effects supervisor, Alexi Weisbrot, and lead animators, Pete Warbis and Chris McGaw. Alexi, known for masterminding or inspiring action sequences in films including Doctor Strange, Thor Ragnarok and Spider-Man Far From Home joined Framestore as lead FX TD in 2009, where he worked on Prince of Persia and later as FX supervisor on Gravity, leading the team's development and implementation of groundbreaking new proprietary software. Alongside his technical knowledge and creative flair, Alexi brings a deep love of cinema to his work, a passion which led him to co-direct acclaimed horror film Don't Hang Up, which premiered at 2016's LA Film Festival. After a three-film MCU stint, he supervised the explosive third act of Wonder Woman 1984 and more recently served as VFX supervisor for Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness and, of course, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 and the excellent Guardians Holiday Special. As one of Framestore's lead animators, Pete Warbis previously worked MPC and ILM. His career so far has included working on films such as Tom and Jerry, where he served as lead, Disney's The One and Only Ivan, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, Avengers Infinity War and Paddington 2. Pete's reputation is built on crafting specific performances for characters and creatures. He searches for the context that helps to tell a unique story within each scene and each individual shot. In his spare time, Pete performs in the theatre, having recently played Donkey in Shrek the Musical with the Noda award-winning Nomads. He has also played trombone, guitar, piano and percussion for various musicals across the country. 
In 2022, Pete took on his most challenging role yet, becoming a father. Chris McGaw has been a character animator for over 20 years, with a career spanning most of the major VFX studios in Canada and the UK, including ILM, Sony Pictures Imageworks and MPC. During that time, he has worked on some of the world's biggest film franchises, from the MCU and Star Wars to Jurassic World and Fantastic Beasts. Chris joined Framestore almost five years ago as a lead animator and is nominated for his work on Guardians 3, his second Annie nomination following his work on Beast, which he was also nominated for a VES award. So, fine company indeed. Welcome to the podcast, Chris, Pete and Alexi. How are you? Big intro. Podcast done. That's almost the two hours. It felt like two hours. Perfect. Well, it was a great interview. Thank you very much, Simon. Great. Great to speak to you. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, it's great, it's great to have you. And usually when I uh, prepare those intros, I go on IMDb, which is super intimidating. I get imposter syndrome to the, you know, the, the roof and I go on LinkedIn. But luckily, because uh, of all the noms you guys have had and the amazing shows you've worked on, I can just call marketing up, get your bio sent across. I flower it up a little bit and I get to talk about it. But the shows you guys have worked on, it's incredible. It's the who's who of visual effects, isn't it? It's amazing. I mean, uh, I mean, do you ever get kind of overwhelmed by the uh, your impact as artists and creatives on culture, on cinema? I mean, uh, before we get into Guardians, just just how does it feel to have so many amazing credits on these films that mean so much to people? I can't speak for the other guys, but I, I think it's one of those that when you're working on a particular film, it's, it's not something that you necessarily dwell on. Mm. But it, it may, maybe in hindsight, you look back on it and think, oh, yeah we, yeah, we have actually worked on quite a few uh, exciting projects over the years. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's like, like for me, working on something like Star Wars, which is what, you know, I was a fanatic growing up. So to be involved in that and actually be sitting in dailies and listening to JJ Abrams and talk about stuff that, you know, people aren't privy to is just, it, it, mm. it's an incredible experience and same with stuff like Jurassic Park and, and all this yeah. stuff. So yeah, it's really super cool. Nice. What about you, Alexi? Well, I think it's great that you are mentioning it, Simon, because for us, because it's the day to day, sometimes we don't step back mm. and see, wow, we actually achieved our dream. You know, when we were kids, we wanted to work on all of this great movie with great director and great creative ET and all of that. So I think it's it's good when you when you say it. We do a bit of a step back and say, ah, oh, it's great. We yeah. we achieved a lot, and hopefully much more to achieve still. Absolutely. Sometimes that thing you're searching for your whole life. It's right there by your side all along. Absolutely, absolutely, and. Uh... I should say congratulations because the award, I mean, there's a lot of awards. I mean, I've uh, honed in on some of the awards and obviously the big ones, but uh, the critical reception of Guardians 3 has been huge and arguably one of the best Marvel films to come out of the MCU is what I'm reading. I listen to a lot of podcasts, not just VFX and technical podcasts, but I listen to a lot of cinema podcasts. I love film like we all do. We're in the business of film, right? But we're in the top five, the top 10 critics movies of the year next to you know, poor things and uh, past lives and all of these kind of indie indie films and big studio production. There you've got this Marvel, this bombastic, amazing Guardians movie that's been critically received as one of the best, I would say, movies made, particularly around, in terms of visually and storytelling. But in terms of the, I mean, I, w- I want to get into the creature work because that's what we're here to talk about, right? But I mean, how does how does that feel to be part of that, you know, Sorry, I'm geeking out a little bit here. Somebody help no, me. No, me. No, no, no. I, 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 I think if I can start on this one, I think it's, uh, I think James Gunn is 
is just an amazing director. I think out there to direct this kind of huge blockbusters movie with lots of visual effects, I don't think you can find much better than James Gunn. He's just fantastic at what he does. The Guardian is... He brought them up to Marvel. He, he created a crazy story in Guardians 1. Mm. This, uh, this group of outlaw, like, uh, and I think he knew the trilogy from the get-go, you know, like while doing Guardians 1, he already knew what his number two was and probably even more was his, what his number three was. Mm. Uh, he, he, he said it from the beginning. This was Rocket story all along. And so he knew that Guardians 3 was going to focus on Rocket, on his backstory, on how he became Rocket. And I think uh, James identified himself a bit as Rocket Raccoon as well. So mm. he's definitely his favorite character. And I think, well, I think he, as as we know, because he, he had to do a pose at, uh, at Disney and then uh, and work on Suicide Squad, I think he had a long time to, to create Guardians 3. Uh, and I think when they started shooting, the script was fully ready hmm. and i think what is insane for us in terms of of vfx is that usually you do the shoot then they do the first edit from the director blah blah, blah. and then at some point you get turnover of some key sequences and, and, and while it's in period they turn over few hero shots you know and so what turnover means is we receive the shots at frame store and we can work on them on this one it was completely different uh they knew from the get-go, that the sequences with the creature were going to take some time to animate and to and to reach the level of emotion that we wanted. So he said, you know what? The first two days of uh, the shoot in Atlanta is going to be me with the four actors. So Sean Gunn is obviously playing uh, Rocket on, on, on stage. And we are going to do a bit of a... <laughs> like a theatrical uh, experiment and we have, I'll have a webcam. We'll put everyone in mocap suit, but James Gunn and Steph Serretti, the production side strip, knew from the get-go that mocap was not going to be used. There is no way you can translate a human into a, a raccoon or into a, a otter or even more into a rabbit and a walrus. So, so mocap was not there. But mm. what we kept from that is the mocap of the, of the camera. And, uh, and I think he, he, he went there, shot that for two days. He shot like 30 minutes of backstory of all of this flashback for two days in a mock-up studio with all of these actors. They brought a lot. And then after week one of shooting, he sent us an edit, which is these this people in, in a mock-up suit on a gray environment. And this sequence, and, and I think it would be great to watch it, but this very, very first edit we received only one week after shooting was already amazing. And he turned over it all. And so it does mean for us, we can sit down with our lead animator, our soup, uh, and plan for it, make sure that we know how we are going to do this sequence. And so it means that we have a lot of time to achieve the visual effects. And, mm. and usually we all know that these big studio movies tend to change, tend to evolve, tend to try to be better, try to connect to the next movie that is going. This one was actually from the get go. We knew what we were doing. It didn't change. That. Of course, it changed a bit to, to try to get even better, but hmm. it was a very linear road. And I think that's why uh, I think Guardians is as good as it was. I think it's a lot thanks to James Gunn, his vision. Obviously, the actors did bring a lot. And I think. For us at Framestore, he, he gave us enough time 
and resources to to achieve the the final result. But mm. I'll, I'll let uh, Pete and Chris uh, jump in. Absolutely. I think, um, yeah. j- just to reiterate, yeah, definitely. Sort of James having that creative vision, sort of from from the get go, and and having directed and written the the previous two movies as well. Um, be, being a, a, a director writer, it really was sort of, I guess his his vision and and something that he could sort of oversee creative control on uh, mm. in in all aspects. And and as as Alexi said, sort of that that initial. Um, shoot um with uh with with, with those four actors w- was a a great sort of template for for the kind of stuff that that we then then had to take on mm-hmm. um not not only from a sort of editing perspective but from a sort of compositional perspective and and eventually sort of in in animation from a performance perspective as well that we we sort of already had a a really good idea of of what those characters needed to do, sort of what 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 they were saying, sort of um, the the staging, the timing, yeah, sort of really really gave us a good a good template, a good grounding for for taking it further and and sort of then translating that onto on, onto the those creature characters and then sort of yeah making it suitable for their anatomies and and their sort of physicalities mm. um, and sort of yeah figuring out that translation process um, which which isn't always obvious and I, I think yeah. sort of de- definitely um, definitely helped I, I guess it's it's such an, a sort of efficient way of of setting that out as well because obviously you can you can write stuff you can storyboard stuff mm-hmm. you can pre-visit um, hundreds of hours of iteration and James managed to knock it out in a couple of days. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and I think that's like, like the guys were saying, I think that was, I think the reason this film turned out so well is that unlike other films where you're, you'll get something to a certain stage and then it's like, Oh, we've changed our mind. We're going to do this. So then you go kind of go back to square one, you start again. Um, in this case, it was like nothing really ever changed dramatically. So we had the time to just iterate and make things better without having to be concerned about, you know, oh, we've, we've changed that. We're going to put the camera over here. We're going to put these characters here. So everything kind of stayed really quite, quite true to what he shot in those couple of days. So that's, mm. you know, like I said, that, that gives you the time that you need to kind of craft these kind of really, really subtle emotional performances. Yeah. So I think that was a, that was a big help yeah. for sure. But I would add, Simon, that it's a combination of things. I, I don't think one thing could do a good movie you know yeah mm. you have sound and music and uh, and of course directing and production design and dop and visual effects and actors obviously <laughs> actors and i think uh, i think there were a lot of uh, you know recently as uh, a strike and uh, some some of the concern of the actors was uh, ai and visual effects digital and all of that and and when you watch guardians you see how much the actors brought to the table. Like we, 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 we simply would not be able to do Guardians without, as well as an amazing director, amazing actors. Mm. Like it, it's all done to the emotion that these actors, um, the, 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 the actors playing Tiffs and Lila and Floor, and of course, Sean Gunn and Bradley Cooper, all of them, without their amazing performance, we just would not be able... So it's a starting point. So first, mm. James Gunn did to, to, to direct a great piece. The actors need to be at the top level and everyone loves this franchise and this movie. So everyone is trying to bring their best. And then, of course, Framestore, these guys, Pete, Chris, all of these animators need to do this top level animation, needs to love the, the character, love the, mm. the movie, to be passionate enough to bring also some of them 
into trying to find what Rocket is based on that performance. But I think it all starts with a, with the amazing performance of the actor. So mm. I think it's a, I think that's where it works best, where everyone team up and we all try to mm. do our best, basically. Yeah, yeah, it's a really good point. I mean, I, uh, I mentioned before we hit record that I rewatched parts of uh, Guardians Three while I had my breakfast this morning, but to prepare, for, I meant to watch it at the weekend, didn't have time, so I ended up. Um, watching the um, the backstory of Rocket knitted together almost. I'd fast forward past some of the uh, the narrative parts, just to watch that story happen kind of almost as a kind of mini story, if that makes sense. And that absolutely kind of tore me apart emotionally. I mean, it did when I watched the original movie uh, in its entirety. And I thought watching it out of context, it wouldn't have that impact. And I I do genuinely believe in, you know, as you say, uh, Alexia, it's Rocket's story because I don't think I've ever watched anything where... The, the animated characters drive the narrative a lot of the time. But you, to your point about the actors, it's a really good point because the there's that great scene at the end when they bring Rocket back and the way Star-Lord kind of holds Rocket and how he reacts to that animated character. Oh, my God, I was I was so choked up. And even on the other side of emotion, when you've got the, um, the, uh, the high evolutionary just holding Rocket's head all the time, it's crazy. Can I jump in on what you said, Simon? Chris Pratt holding Rocket. Wow, <laughs> how hard it was for us. <laughs> really? Like, well, basically, he's holding a stuffy on set. Wow. There you go. It's a lot of interaction, isn't it? So, so, sometimes he's with groom, sometimes he's without groom. And I think for us, when we sit down and try to say how we do this kind of shots, I think the, the first thing was like, okay, do we keep Chris Pratt's arm or do we make them digital and we can control them. But for some reason, and it's crazy in this kind of movie, but we didn't have a really high-res digital of Chris Pratt. We just didn't need it at Framestore. We, 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 we obviously were doing Cosmo and Groot and all of these characters, but we didn't really need a very high-res digital. Hmm. So we said, well, you know what? He's done an amazing performance and there is the stuffy. Let's use it. <laughs> but then, obviously, the stuffy is not exactly the same proportion now our rocket especially at, at that point he was a bit more skinny and stuff and uh, and so of course all the groom interactions and all the roto of the fingers and putting the, the the groom in between the fingers and making sure that he's shadowing but they are self-shadowing each other i can tell you and, and i think it's a bit shoot out to johnny isaac he was our complete on that sequence and wow, I can tell you that was a, a very tricky. This whole bit where where uh, Chris Pratt is is uh, removing cable from his uh, from his yeah, chest and yeah. all of this interaction was done. Of course, great animation, but I can tell you the <laughs> comp work after to try to make sure that you don't feel that Chris Pratt is interacting with the stuff, but he's interacting with the living rocket. That uh, was a lot of a lot of love as well for that. Mm-hmm. Totally. I mean, I. I mean, I, before we get into the dailies, I just wanted. I mean, I'd made a few notes when I was rewatching, and from a kind of emotive uh, point of view, I've got. I mean, even from the opening credits where you see Rocket get taken from his cage as a kind of youngling or a, a young, like a baby raccoon, and just the eyes and the, the the fear, and then to the creep, the Radiohead creep opening credits, and just even that. I'm watching that, and I'm welling up, right? And then there's, I mean, you mentioned earlier that there wasn't really a, you know, you know, like a multiverse of madness, right? And you'll know Alexi souping that that show. <laughs> you had the, yeah, right, more than anyone. You know that, you know, the, the, you had the hero shot. You had Doctor Strange just falling through all of the multiverses. It was insane, right? Amazing, amazing, amazing. Whereas this one just had these amazing moments driven by visual effects. I mean, the 
the scene with, uh, the, I call it the friends scene. So when uh, Lila T's floor and Rocket are just lying down talking and they're staring up at the stars and they name each other. It's absolutely gorgeous. It's a beautiful, beautiful scene. Teeps. Teeps. Lila. Teeps. <laughs> me be called floor because me is lying on floor. You're lying on a floor? So your name is Floor? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Even like uh, when Rocket's reaction to, when, he's, when he realises that Batch 89 is going to get, I mean, spoiler alert, by the way, anybody listening, <laughs> if I've not seen it, maybe just skip ahead five minutes. <laughs> but when uh, Rocket realises they're all going to get executed and you see his whole body just deflate emotionally when he hears that because the expectation that they're going to go to the new world is it's so prevalent and you know my favorite moment actually it's the detail on Rocket's face when he's nominated as captain at the end when they're all kind of banging their chests and the bit that gets me is when they all vote for Rocket and Rocket's um, nostrils kind of dilate a bit he's like holding in it means so much to him and it's such a little nuance and it just, it's filled with everything. And I was honestly, and then you go into the big euphoric ending and it's just the perfect. I mean, I watched, uh, when I started at Framestore, Mike McGee showed me the emotion reel, you know, where you've got Dobby from uh, from Harry Potter and Paddington and all these slight glances and these little quivering lips and eyes glassing over. And that was a game changer for me. And this show just takes that to the, nine millionth degree after. absolutely and all these moments just drive the story and they're animated characters they started out as a, a rig or a model or you know and I'm, I'm buying into this story and I think it's amazing so I just wanted to I just wanted to share my perspective as a as a viewer you know I work in training so I don't get to see the <laughs> yeah you know, I don't get to see Chris Pat go cuddling a uh, crying over a, a, a stuffed animal you know uh but I just Absolutely, I think it is, it, we were so lucky on this show to to have so many emotive moments and such a sort of extreme of of emotions um, throughout the whole thing. You know, you you really don't get that that many opportunities um, to 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 do that kind of kind of work. And I, I guess working with um, working with the sort of hero characters as well a lot of the stuff we do is is um is more in the background or, or sort of um yeah. supporting characters but these really are the the the, the leads as it mm. were and uh, one of the ones you mentioned there um when i was watching it back in the cinema for the first time the the, the sequence that you were looking after chris um where, where they were naming themselves that got me it got me in the feels yeah, um, I'm, yeah. I'm not entirely sure what it was about it whether it was the music or whether it was the 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 animation or, or um the animation or Pete, of course, the animation. <laughs> yeah, Pete, come on. Definitely the animation. <laughs> it, was, it was a great sequence anyway. Yeah, but how do you approach that, Chris? I mean, how do you approach that? I mean, that's a great question, actually, Pete, to Chris. You know, how yeah. do you, what was what was the approach to getting that? I mean, because I don't know either. It's just a beautiful yeah. scene, but what makes it? It's honestly, it's a very, it's a very challenging thing to do in animation when you have um, stillness. Stillness is a tough thing to do, especially in CG animation. Like, you know, you can kind of get away with it a little bit in the old 2D style. You could have like held frames and whatnot, but in 3D, if things aren't moving, you feel it right away. So, I mean, again, going back to what Alexi said, we had great, we had fantastic reference from the from the actors on set. So we kind of knew where they were, where some eye lines were going. So we had that, that, that great base to start with. But yeah, it really just comes down to, it's just fine, fine details in the face. It's it's like what you you were talking about, the, the emotion reel. It's little eyelid 
flutters, little, you know, pulls of the cheek, just very subtle stuff. And it's, it's the team sometimes they, they struggle a little bit with it at the start because they tend to over animate hmm. because you've, you know, you've got a character on the floor and you kind of want to do something, but you know, if you push it too far, it looks a little, it just doesn't look quite right. So it's, it's just kind of finding the performance and then just, you know, shrinking it down, but then it's all that detail in the face. And, and then after us with the lighting and the, the comp, like I'll, I love that just the little dust particles in the air and, and all that stuff was just fantastic. Uh, if I can jump on what Chris said. So animation is obviously the key part of this movie and it's it's definitely the reason why it's a success. And so I think, Simon, you did great to invite uh, Chris and Pete because they were two of our very, very important lead animators on the show. So of course, but if I can also mention some of the rest of the department, because I think exactly what we said for the on set, you know, you need a director, a production designer, an actor. I think it's the same for VFX. Of course, it starts with the animation, with the performance, which so our animators are the equivalent of the actors, you know? So if you have an actor with a bad lighting on set, well, it doesn't really work, you know? And it's a bit the same for, for us on Guardians. I think the animators did fantastic, but I can tell you, like uh, you were mentioning a lot the eyes, Simon, and I think <laughs> on the rap party, one of the lighter did write a song on me just because she was saying, well, God, everyone will say, oh, did you work on Guardian? It's great. So what did you do on Guardian? Well, I did the ping in the eye with my French <laughs> accent. And it's true <laughs> that a lot of this lighter was doing, was, was, was putting so much passion and energy to just have the right ping in the eye in every shot. The meniscus, which is this little uh, line of water you see at the, at the bottom of the eye, mm. I think this meniscus, we were hand animating it per shot. We had a displacement map where we could put it more or less depending on the shot. On some shots, we went to the struggle of simulate, do an FX simulation, a water simulation wow. for the meniscus, just because we knew that's what do you watch when you watch this this shot? You watch the eyes. You know you need the meniscus, the corincula, the sclera, the ping in the eye. You need all of these components to be good in order for you to connect because you are always going to look at the eyes first, yeah. and they need to be uh, living. So I think I think it's 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 a lot of different things that mm. went into that as well as the design of the character. Maybe that's one of mm. your questions, Simon, and maybe we'll go later about talking about the design but uh, we will but yes yes I, I just wanted to bounce because animation is of course the thing we should talk yeah. about the most but i think so many other people were involved uh, at framestore on the show and they did so good mm -hmm. absolutely absolutely i mean it, it really is a collaborative effort it's, it's so easy to talk about animation because that's that's what you can see and it's very easy to understand yeah. um as alexi said but but yeah it, it, there, there are so many different departments for, for anyone so, who's listening to this um outside of the industry um obviously obviously we we need people to to model the the characters and and environments we need people to to rig them so that we can actually move them mm -hmm. um we we need people to simulate the the, the cloth and and it's, it's not just a, a case of sort of pressing a button and it's done. It's it's sort of tweaking settings. It's it's going and sculpting things. It's it's really sort of crafting that 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 stuff. We, mm. the, sort of the the effect simulations on on explosions, hair, um, the the final compositing, yeah. the lighting, mm -hmm. the 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 
pipeline that we work mm. with. There are so many sort of so many people that, that are unsung heroes and that don't get the recognition that, that say we do mm. in animation. Yeah. Um, because as I say, it's 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 an obvious one. Yeah. It's kind of it's kind of like when your parents ask you what you do and you show them the shot and they just think you did the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And you're like no 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 no. <laughs> that was about. 50 people doing that, yeah. I, f- I forgot production. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> production, the people <laughs> that, that run yeah. the show. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we do have a question on uh, and, and most valuable players or unsung heroes as part of the dailies, which we will get into in a minute for sure. But you're absolutely right. I mean, I when I rewatched uh, Guardians earlier, it was an abridged version because I didn't have a huge amount of time. It's a long movie, right? But uh, I always, I mean, one of the things that I always talk about on the podcast, and I'm always talking about it, is stay and watch the credits. If, you, if you're listening and you're not from industry, watch the credits stay till the end whether there's a cut scene at the end or not and i was really taken by the amount of people that worked on this because there's always a lot but there is a lot of names on that credit list um across all and even the support functions is bigger than they usually are on a typical show right so i think uh, we will get into that as we get into the dailies for sure we're the guardians of the galaxy so should we get into the big questions then? We've had a good half an hour preamble. I could go on. I could just have my usual geek out moment, but I need to be professional and I need to get into the preordained questions. It is what the podcast gods would have wanted. So uh, I'm doing it. Are you prepared, Chris, Alexi, Pete? Are you are you ready for me to drop the dramatic sound effect from on high? Let's do it. Let's go. All right, here it comes. I am we're into the dailies and the first question is and i know i introduced you earlier but i want you to introduce yourselves because people know who's talking it's an audio podcast it's who where what who are you where are you and what are you working on but only if you're allowed to talk about it so uh i'll start with chris sure yeah um, so my name is chris mcgaw um like i said i've been doing this for about i think 20 years now which is kind of crazy but um i am working in london been at Framestore for five, coming up on five years now. Um, what I'm working on now, I think I can say because there's a trailer out. So I'm helping finish, it's a new John Krasinski animated kind of live mm. action film called If. Yes, of course. Um, so I think a trailer just came out uh, maybe a month ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're kind of, we're in the kind of last couple of months of that in animation. Um, and previous to that, I was helping out with um, dev stuff on. Um, but yeah, that's what I'm up to now. Brilliant. Thank you, Chris. Uh, let's go with Pete. Hello, um, I'm Pete Warbis. I'm lead animator at, at Framestore. Um, I am in London uh, and I'm currently uh, allowed to say I'm, I'm working on Paddington in Peru. Hey, amazing. So you're on the, uh, the fifth floor in this lockdown side of the building. Well, we, we're, we're, all, uh, we're all on the first floor, but yeah, it's very exciting that we've, um, we've, we've got the clients in the building with us. Wicked. That's so fun. Um, thank you, Pete and Alexi. Well, I, uh, I am Alexi Weisbrot. I am a visual effects supervisor at Framestore. And uh, as on the day I believe I finished Guardians of the Galaxy 3, I jumped right onto Paddington in Peru uh, on the production side role uh, of VFX supervisor. And uh, yeah, and we shot, yeah, we shot it at L3 Studio. So straight after wow. we went there and went, uh, went to Peru. And so I'm working with Pete now uh, on uh, on Paddington Peru, which is uh, very exciting for us. Uh, as you know, Paddington means a lot mm-hmm. to to the UK and particularly to us uh, in Framestore yeah. uh, because we we worked so much on Paddington One and Two. So I think we have uh, we're talking about animation. We have uh, our animation director Pablo Grillo, who've done number one, number two, and is working uh, next to me 
on this one as well. So, mm. so it's a it's a good uh, new adventure to jump from uh, from Rocket to Paddington. Yeah, absolutely. What a what a context switch that must have been. Like coming straight off Guardians Three and straight into another massive frame store property, and it is part of the fabric, isn't it? Yeah, I think I think it's great. It's great. I think Rocket and Paddington are both such important characters to Framestore. Well, if anyone goes, come here, and I'm based in London, and if anyone comes here in London, in Chancery Lane, where Framestore is based, you'll see in the reception a massive, massive image of Paddington on the left. And then if you go to the second floor, there is a massive image of Rocket Raccoon. They are two of our very, very important characters uh, at Framestore. So it's great to be working uh, one after the other there. Very key character for us. Amazing, amazing. Well, uh, well, it's good to have you all, like I said, and uh, thank you for doing the intros. It always feels very formal, but at least people listening know who's who's speaking because we went straight into that geeky section at the start. So my first question is, and it, I know it feels obvious if you're working on shows and you're working as a supervisor, an animator in production, how you get assigned to shows. But I'd love to hear the story of ha- what brought you to work on Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Um, I'll let anybody take this. Uh, I don't want to keep just going, Chris, you answer this, or you know, I'm not going to go in any particular order. Whoever wants to take it can take it. But what brought you to this show? So I guess from an animation perspective, um, we, we we get the opportunity to uh, to request a preference for, for the shows that we, we work on next. Um, oh. So uh, we, we'll usually have a list of the, the upcoming shows and, and we can sort of, yeah, if, if there's if we want to do something a little bit more acty or a little bit more actiony, then then we can we or, or something completely different then we can we can request to go onto a certain show. Obviously, it depends on uh, how, how many people they need on on what show, um, mm-hmm. who's available at the time, timings, etc., etc., etc. Sometimes you just need to go on a show for a few weeks because they need more people. But sometimes the stars align and you get to uh, work on your your dream show. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, that that was that was one of uh, one of the ones for me. I I I worked on uh, Guardians One. Yeah, I saw that. But didn't get to animate Rocket. Mm-hmm. So uh, so this time it was um, it was it was a nice sort of homecoming, as it were. Nice. Yeah, I saw that you worked on on Guardians One. What did you animate on Guardians One? Out of interest, Pete? So so I was involved with Dale Newton's team, uh, who's uh, one of the animation supervisors, and uh, we we were doing a lot of the spaceships uh, in in inside um, nowhere. There's a there's a chase sequence where um, Rocket and a couple of the other characters pilot these these spaceships uh yeah that, that that was that was what we were involved in it was great fun at the time and yeah got, got to do a little bit of Groot as well which was great but yeah other, other teams were doing more stuff with uh, with rocket yeah so when you uh, i love that insight into you know you 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 kind of uh, you know put your hand up you know you choose a preference to work on a show and then you get that message it must how does that feel when you get that just from a complete outsider's point of view yeah no it's it's interesting i guess ultimately we there's only so much choice you have in in that you, you're here to do a job you you go on the show that you're you're put on but but it's always nice to um to to get to work on it on a show that you're looking forward to i think that's mm. uh, yeah but when, when it works out it's it's wonderful cool yeah what about you chris yeah, I had been actually, I work with, uh, so the animation soup, one of the animation soups on uh, Guardians with Nathan McConnell. Um, I had worked with him previously on Fantastic Beasts. So we were together for about two years, me, Nathan and I. So we just, we had a good relationship. And I think we, um, you know, we just wanted to kind of work on the uh, on the following show together as well. So, and fortunately it was Guardians. Cool. And like Pete said, you kind of put your choices down. Mm-hmm. You never know really what you know, you have a rough idea of what the show is. You know, I think we all kind of knew it was Rocket's backstory, so that yeah. was that was kind of an exciting prospect. And to be to be completely 
transparent, there is always a little bit of nervousness when you're on a Marvel show because they can be a little, you know, tough mm-hmm. at times. But this one, like we said earlier, was just, it was just amazing. It was like, it was yeah. nothing like, like previous ones I've been on. So yeah, um, yeah, I lucked out getting on it and, and working with Nathan was great and Pete and, and the other leads. So yeah, it was fantastic. Cool. And uh, yeah, we'll talk about kind of creative influence, uh, particularly you know, on the back of what Alexi talks about around the director, James Gunn, and his impact on the show as well um, as, an, as a kind of maybe a non-traditional Marvel experience. But yeah, that's really interesting, Chris. Thank you. And Alexi, you know, my, uh, I've only been at the Frame Store for two, just over two years. And uh, my memory or my, my experience of you, Alexi, is the whip screenings. And it's only been two years. And I've, had, I've seen you on stage talking about Multiverse of Madness, Guardians 3, the holiday special, Paddington in Peru. Um, busiest man in show business, right? But tell me, what, how, what brought you to Guardians 3, Alexi? Well, it's, it's, it's interesting because that was... Uh... Uh, that's not usually the kind of show that I've been doing. I, I've been doing a lot of crazy creative ride. I've been doing, uh, as you mentioned, Spider-Man Far From Home, The Illusion Battle, which was a very much mm-hmm. crazy illusion creativity where it could be anything and you start with a with a blank page. And then I've done, uh, of course, uh, uh, Spider-Man No Way Home, which was always uh, very similar. I've done Doctor Strange 1, uh, which was also weird, Multiverse of Madness, which, as you mentioned, was insane. So I've done a lot of this crazy creative ride. And so I, I think I just needed a change, which is weird because I ended up on another Marvel movie <laughs> but uh, after having done so many. But I just needed a change. And I think I, I knew Steph Seretti, the production side soup from... Uh, well, I worked with him a, a couple of times. I, I knew him from Doctor Strange 1. He was a production side sup on Doctor Strange 1. He was also the, my internal VFX sup on Prince of Persia as well, um, back at, at Moving Picture Company, actually. So so I, I knew I knew Steph really well. Uh, I knew uh, Suzanne Piquet, the producer, as well, really well. And so when Garden started, I was actually still very much in the middle of Multiverse of Madness. So actually, the, the last six months of delivery of Multiverse of Madness, I was actually doing both in parallel. And so that's why you see me in this script screening a lot because uh, I've done that a few times. I've done Far From Home and, uh, and Wonder Woman at the same time. I've done, I've done Garden and Multiverse of Madness at the same time as well. So it's true that uh, I like to be busy. And, and I think when, when this opportunity happened to, to work on, on Guardian 3, uh, having loved uh, being a, one of well one of my favorite Marvel movies, Guardians One. I'm a huge, huge fan and huge fan of Rocket Raccoon. I think uh, it, it's now probably after that movie, maybe not before, but after that movie, it's probably my favorite character. Mm. So uh, I think it's um, I think it was a great opportunity. So when uh, when our managing director at Framestore, Fiona Walking Show, uh, proposed me the role, and then I talked to Steph and Suzanne, I think it was clear to me that. Uh, not only I wanted to do it, I wanted to do these sequences, specifically the rocket backstory, because it was a bit different to what I've done before, and it was so emotional and so good. So, mm-hmm. so it was it was clear. So, so no, I'm really really happy that I ended up doing it, and I think I think it's a nice segue for me to now yeah. be working on on Paddington as well. So yeah. it's slightly more creative work, which is what Framestore is especially. Spe- good at and probably one of the best companies in the world to do basically ain't no thing like me except me definitely definitely yeah i mean 
I mean, I've been talking, again, only been with Frame Store two years, but I'm always talking about the creature work. And again, it's so cool to be doing this podcast, talking about Gardens 3, because it, like I said at the start, it is just the the pinnacle of creature work, you know, to be able to garner that emotional reaction from audiences as well as being technically just on point. I mean, everything we we spoke about, about the the meniscus and the eye and the and the detail, that level of detail. Um, Alexi, you talked about loving the original Guardians. And my, my next question is... Um, you know, your history with the Guardians trilogy. Um, and that can be both a personal history, a technical history. I know, Pete, you talked about working on it, the original the original show. I mean, Alexi, what's your, what do you consider to be your history with the Guardians of the Galaxy franchise? Well, as as you know from, from my career, I've done plenty of Marvel movies. But I think when Guardians got, got released, I think it was very special. He felt like an outsider. He was a, the first space... Uh, space co- opera movie. It was it was very different to the rest, and I think I really connected to this uh, to these characters. We we are not the usual superheroes. They are mm. they are actually the, almost the anti-hero vibe, and I think I really connected to all of them. Uh, obviously, the, the the star of the first one is is more Star Lord, but I really connected to all of them. I, I probably out of all the Marvel movies, it's definitely the one I watched the most. Uh, it's definitely the one that if I want to watch a Marvel movie, I'll, I'll go naturally to on Disney Plus. I, I, I'm a big fan of the, of this movie, so I think working on a, on the third one was definitely a fantastic feeling because I could bring something from me on on that uh, on that movie as well, mm. which uh, which was great and and so much like. Working on Garden Three, like because we were telling his backstory, well, we needed to know who was Rocket nowadays. Basically, like this weird kind of Han Solo Star Wars character, um, having to tell his story where he starts as this very naive and very nice character and trying to build his evolution, both from a an asset perspective, so we had to to build at different age, as well as from a story perspective and seeing how. How, what is the reason he evolved? Who was his first family before the Guardians? I think it was fantastic. It's great. It's really, really good to bring all of that. Definitely. Thanks, Lexi. And yeah, that experience, I can, that definitely resonates with me. I mean, when I first saw it, it was I was working at the mill at the time. And we got kind of, do you remember Orange Wednesdays where you got buy one, get one free at the cinema? And I went to see Guardians 1. And it was the first Marvel movie because we all went in with a bit of kind of... Um, I don't know, trepidation. It's not Iron Man. It's not, you know, Spider-Man. It's not big Marvel super. Nobody had heard of Guardians of the Galaxy unless you're a super kind of, you know, comic book geek, right? And we went in, thought, let's do it. And honestly, that story and throughout all three, you know, I was able to suspend my disbelief watching this gonzo, as you say, Alexi, space opera happen. The the only scene that happens in the, on Earth is like at the start of the first uh, the first movie. And the rest of it is in this crazy world with crazy characters nothing's on earth it's all vfx but you're totally bought into it because the storytelling's so good the characters are so good the humor's there the soundtrack it's just the best but anyway the question is what's not my, what what's my relation with it i'm chris tell me about your your uh, your history with the guardians of the galaxy well oddly i mean it's quite similar to yours simon actually because i wasn't um you know i was never i wasn't a big comic book guy growing up so i didn't know you know i knew the i knew the iron mans and i knew the hmm the big guys, but I had no idea what or who the guardians of the galaxies were. Hmm. So when I saw that first film, it was just like, like, yeah, like what am I watching and why is it so amazing? Hmm. And how did they make these crazy 
characters like kind of almost unlikable. Why did they make them so likable? You know, how did they do that? And it's, it's, I remember after seeing that, I, I, I thought at that point, I'm like, Oh, that would be fun. Like rocket group. Those would be fun characters to work to work on one day. And then, yeah, you know, here we are. So it, it worked out, but I thought, yeah, that was like, still is like Alexa. That still is my favorite. I think that's guardians. One is my favorite. Yeah. Uh, Guardians film. Well, Guardians three now is my favorite. <laughs> of course, but, yeah. obviously, yeah. contractually obliged to say that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, thank you, Chris and Pete. You know, you worked on it, right? So, what was your relationship coming into that show and obviously being part of it? Yeah, no, it was interesting. I think pre-working on the show, I had no idea. I'd n- never heard of the characters. Um, n- never heard of the show. Um, and uh, yeah, at the time, it sort of uh, it, it felt like. Like it was a fun show, but you 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 don't always. I mean, maybe it's um, something obvious for people working uh, on the inside, but for anyone who who's listening from the outside, it's you don't always get to see the whole film when you're working on it. You you don't really know mm. what the whole story is unless you're sort of um, relatively high up and you get access to the script. Uh, you won't necessarily know what the whole film is going to be. Also, you've got different vendors working uh, working on on different parts of the movie. Yeah, you, you're often sort of second guessing exactly sort of how yeah. good the film is, uh, and and coming out from it, I I, I think I managed to miss the um, the the cast and crew screening at the time, mm. um, and I I moved on to a different company at that point and had a few people say, oh yeah, Guardians, it's amazing, go see it, um, and I had I just hadn't got got around to seeing it, and and um, wow. yeah, eventually went and I re- really enjoyed it. I thought it was a really fun film. As as you say, I I, I guess um, as the other guys were saying, sort of. Maybe part of the appeal is is that those characters are they're flawed. They've 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 gone through sort of um, grief and 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 sort mm. of personal uh, personal journeys, but they've they've got somewhere to grow as well. Mm. They're, they're they're not necessarily people with with superpowers, as it were. It's it's sort of it's a little bit more grounded than than say I don't know your your Superman's or your um, Spider Man or, or or something. But um, although it'd be interesting to see what 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 James Gunn does with uh, with Superman. Um, now that he's uh, on the DC side. Yeah, no, very true, very true. And yeah, you're right. They're almost kind of like a dirty dozen type mm. band of band of people, right? It's weird because we all feel it's more grounded, but if you step back, it's a talking tree yeah, and a talking exactly. raccoon. <laughs> yeah, is it? But, but it's true. Yeah. It's true. It's just more yeah. grounded in some ways. Crazy characters, but they're more grounded. Yeah, 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 absolutely. How, how does this work? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like you said, I mean, Alexi, you, you compared uh, Star-Lord to kind of Han Solo and he has got that, kind of, even Han Solo in the Star Wars, the original, the original trilogy was rough around the edges. He wasn't perfect. He made mistakes. He was, I'm not, a, I'm not athletic. So, you know, the way Han Solo ran away from Stormtroopers, I completely related to yeah. it. Chris Pratt has that, you know, he's, he's former Parks and Rec. He's he's not kind of, yeah, he's obviously a bit more pumped up for the, the role, but, you know, he's a little bit rough around the edges. He's not perfect. He's he's bluffing his way through. And I think there's a lot to relate to that, as well as the rest of the characters, you know. And obviously, as we learn from Rocket's backstory in, in Guardians 3 and, and the rest of the crew, they are a ramshackle bunch of people and they become these amazing heroes. I mean, it's such a great, it's such a great trilogy. I want to watch them all again, honestly. it's uh, mm. I agree with you, Alex. It's the best Marvel property. It's the, by far the best trilogy in the Marvel, in the MCU, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm. By far. No question. I mean, everybody says, everybody's like, what's the next Star Wars? And there's been versions of it. I'm not going to mention them. Everybody's kind of waiting for the next big trilogy. Guardians have done that, I, I would argue. That is the, that's the next Star, you know, the next Star Wars, in my opinion. I just think, anyway, I'm going to stop geeking out. I've got another question coming. I'll stick with you, Pete is we touched on this earlier about some of the shots we worked on. I know, Chris, you talked about working on the uh, 
the, 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 the naming scene uh, in Guardians 3. But I want to start with you, Pete, is, uh, you know, what shot or shots did you work on and what elements are you most proud of? So I, I was looking after a few sequences uh, on Guardians 3. Um, initially, the the white corridor sequence, so um, where Rocket is near to death, and mm. um, he's he's having this vision of of Lila, his um, his childhood friend, um, and she's sort of guiding him sort of towards the light, as it were, but mm. then sort of um, hold, holds off to, to tell yeah. him that he's not he's not done with his journey yet not yet not yet yeah yeah exactly not not just yet that that was a i think that was probably um my my baby in in, in guardians 3 i really enjoyed that sequence um and we had it had its own challenges as well that maybe we'll touch on later but um in addition i was oh there, there was a, a sequence that, that chris and i were sharing where rocket is getting ready to uh, to, to to escape um, with with his friends, and so Chris took the the first half of that sequence. And uh, after Rocket escapes the cage, um, we've obviously got sort of the tragedy of, of Lila's death and, and mm-hmm. his friends, and and the the Rocket's um, outburst of rage uh, and mauling the High Evolutionary. That that sort of mm-hmm. second section that I I took care of. In addition, there was the the opening um, that I was sort of loosely looking after um where we, we've got this sort of this bundle of of um baby raccoons and and the the sort of really complex um sort of transformation shot yeah. uh, going from from baby raccoon into into adult uh rocket wow the, the, yeah re- really good sort of challenge uh, or mi- mix of challenges mm-hmm. for, for various different reasons okay yeah we'll come back to the, the one you're most proud of because there's, there's a lot in there pete I, yeah i love the uh the the, the the white corridor sequence as you put it and the way they hold each other and the way they kind of rub each other's noses together like they become kind of animals you know rather than kind of characters it's, it's beautifully done so yeah congrats man honestly amazing. thanks very much we'll come back to that um chris what about you obviously we touched on the uh like say the naming kind of ceremony yeah. type sequence but yeah what, what what tell us a bit more about what you worked on shot wise yeah absolutely yeah that was a, that was a big one that was a good one um i also was um I was in charge of the first sequence where we see Rocket, Baby Rocket, where he's thrown into the cage and, mm. you know, he's got that shaved head and, and he's kind of terrified and scared and doesn't know what's going on. And that was, um, that, that was a challenging sequence because it was, you know, you're, you're getting in that realm of kind of cruelty to animals, which is a very delicate thing. Yeah. So it was a very, you know, it was a very fine line of what, you know, how far we wanted to take this. So there was a really fine balancing act of, of, of what we can show and, and, you know, how to make it not too off-putting for people mm-hmm. to watch. Cause it's, 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 it's tragic. It's like, nobody wants to see that. Right. So it's, it's hard to watch, you know, yeah. it's um, it was a tough one, even like some reference we were checking out just to kind of get the realism was just, it's, yeah, it's, it was a really, mm-hmm. it was a really, a really hard sequence to work on, but um, I mean, it really, I think it really turned out well. Yeah. Um, I think people, really felt his pain felt his you know his his terror and all that so i think i think the team did a fantastic job in it on, on a very delicate very delicate subject yeah, yeah um and then yeah as, as pete said we we co-led the um the big sequence where they escape and the bad things happen at the end for those who haven't seen it but yeah yeah 
we'll put a heavy spoiler alert in the, in the, yeah, yeah, the yeah, pre-recorded sure. intro because we're, get, yeah. we're getting into it. But, I hope yeah. no one who hasn't seen it is actually listening. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the animal cruelty thing, I guess we're not, we've not spoken about it enough and whether or not people are talking about it enough. But actually, mm. yeah, I mean, you must have had to look at some horrendous uh, uh, reference material to get that right because it's a yeah. hard, hard scenes to watch. And even just the, the appearance of some of the characters as well. Right? Yeah, absolutely. It's quite visceral. Yeah, I think we I think we knew there was going to be a bit of I don't mm. think backlash is the word, but some people it's very sensitive. So some mm. I, I imagine a lot of people probably had had some difficulty with that. But again, that's it's an important part of the story. Yeah, you know, and it's an important part of of Rocket's um, evolution. So it's you know it kind of had to be shown. But I think hopefully we did it in a way that wasn't too yeah too too upsetting for people. But you know. Yeah, and I guess is it fair to say that almost the story, the power of the character and storytelling overrides those factors because yeah. rewatching it, I'm dreading the moment when Lila gets shot and should I even bother? He yeah. turns around and uh, Flora and Teeves have been killed and yeah, uh, that is oh my god, it's horrible. Oh god, I'm welling up. I'm gonna yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's uh, that almost overrides the the stark nature of the absolutely how the characters yeah. are treated. Yeah, absolutely. What about you, Alexi? Tell me about your experience uh, working with shots and maybe areas you're most proud of. <laughs> uh, it's hard to choose. I, uh, they are all the, all the shots I love. There is not a single shot on Guardians that I don't like. Uh, I, I, we, we've done a lot, uh, both. Uh, so uh, the show was split between Montreal, Vancouver and London. And in London, we've done a, quite a big chunk. We've done all of these flashback sequences. I think it's very hard to choose. Uh, big fan of that uh, that shot that Pete was uh, was mentioning the transformation from the mm. baby raccoon to 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 adult raccoon. I think there is a lot of this first shot, and plus the music of Creep uh, in the background is uh, is uh, is always good to have. Um, so I think it's a really good one. If I had to pick one uh, creatively and emotion emotionally. I would definitely pick when Rocket decides to come back hmm. to the Arete spaceship and save all the animals. And so I would pick the moment where he opens that cage and there is all of these baby raccoons, which I think look fantastic. I think they look even better for some reason than in the very opening sequence. And I think some of them are touching his muzzle. And I think I think he's, uh, he's almost crying and he sees uh, the inscription saying raccoons and that's, mm. he realizes where he comes from. He realizes, he remembers that, that cage. He remembers where he was and he remembers that he is a raccoon because <laughs> during the whole trilogy, he, 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 he's only rocket and he's not rocket raccoon. And from here, he is rocket raccoon. And I think <laughs> it's, uh, to me, it's, uh, it's a very important shot. And I think animation wise it, it looks fantastic but and everything else is put into that shot mm. but it's true that animating this uh, i don't know how many baby runs we have on that on that shot 30 or whatever but and then they all go on top of him so it's like these two or three shots around that moment i think are, are just fantastic i think if there is one single frame that uh, i always promote on uh, on my social media when uh, uh, when I want to promote gardens is definitely one of that side shot where you have all the baby raccoons yeah. and, uh, and rocket raccoon. Uh, one of my favorite shots. That's a great shot. I love how, like you say, they all climb on his back and, and then just the way he kind of brushes them off with kind of care when the, the high evolutionary turns up for his revenge yeah. and the way, the care he takes as a character. I think one thing we didn't touch base yet is how much James Gunn love visual effects mm. and good visual effects is really part he is very precise yeah. but when visual effects are good he knows how to promote them and i think i, I want to say that now just because on that particular sequence 
And James Gunn loved it so much that he, he actually asked himself, who is the animator that did these shots with the raccoons going on top of him? Because like when he learned that they were all hand animated one by one, and uh, and it's a sequence actually was turned over a bit later than all the cages sequence because it's uh, it's at the end of the movie and uh, and he actually and I think it was two animators and Pete and Chris you you'll confirm I think it yeah. was Kubi and uh, yeah. someone else but and uh, he asked for their address and actually personally sent them right. a gift to both uh-huh. these animators so not only he he promotes the visual the great visual effects on his social media and he's one of the hmm. only directors that uh, that uh, feels that CGI is actually uh, a good tool and you can help making his movie, but he's also really nice with the artists themselves. So, so that's, that's, that's great. That's cool. And that's, that's lovely to hear. And uh, yeah, I, I agree that scene where he sees a raccoon on the, uh, in the cage and, I, and, and the whole piece the way throughout the whole series, he's correcting people. And I love that scene, that call back to the white corridor sequence where even Lila says, Oh my, I can't remember the line, but it's like my beautiful raccoon. And he goes to correct her and then he gets pulled out. I just thought, brilliant. But yeah, lovely callback to that scene as well. Did that look cool? Brilliant. And just on the shots you worked on, again, if we can go back to, is there a nuanced moment? Uh, Because obviously, you know, you would have been so involved in those shots, you know, that kind of just pass us by as viewers. What's one thing you're most proud of looking back? And I get that, you know, every shot's like your baby's. But what's one moment where you're like, wow, I'm, I nailed that. I'm proud of that moment. Oh, well, like, uh, <laughs> it's so hard. It's so I know, hard. I know. It's so hard. I, I really, really feel that the team as a whole has done so good. It's really hard to pick just one single shot. Mm. Uh, and, and, and all of the shots have so many different challenges. You know, you, you take the stampede sequence where all these 600 animals escape on top. Yeah. It's a technical achievement to be able to just to, to, to render, animate, do that. And then you have on top of that, a, a ship that explodes in the background. And suddenly you have an obelisk, which is this creature that, and suddenly you have to do an obelisk for two shots, which is crazy. So you have that. Uh, on the other hand, you have, oh, finally the... When the high evolution is revealed, his bloody face, mm. we feel the prosthetic could be could be improved. Could you bring something? And especially, we have to remove his nose and one of his eye. And suddenly, we went so far that we ended up replacing the whole face. But I think we the asset looks insane, so it's it's really good. But then, then of course, there is also emotion, which I think is what speaks to me the most. And so that's why I would yeah. probably come back to that shot of Rocket with the, the runs on the cages mm. and that moment and that meniscus simulation yeah. and that lighting and, uh, and, the, and the animation and everything bringing together. I think, I, I, I do think it's a, it's a great shot. It's a great performance. It's, a, you know, like if they were a best CG animated character at Oscar, I think uh, just for that shot only, yeah. Rocket uh, could get the, the best uh, CG actor. Brilliant. I don't know. It's great. Amazing. Thank you, Alexi. Uh, Pete, tell us about what, what's your moment, if I may ask, of course. Oh, of course. Yeah, a, yeah. It's a tough shout. <laughs> there's, I, there's a, probably a couple for me i guess, I guess um there's there's one shot of uh, of lila when when they're in the white corridor uh that's a sort of close up on her face and I, I i forget exactly what she says now but it's it's sort of i think she's talking about the the sky and um mm. something along those lines yeah, yeah, <laughs> um I, I i also sort of one that i'll 
be able to add to the bucket list. Um, was able to animate Lila dying as well. So got mm. the official uh, I killed Lila <laughs> tag. <laughs> There's a T-shirt there. There's a free T-shirt <laughs> there for sure. Wow. Thank you, Pete. Brilliant. And, and Chris, anything you'd like to pinpoint before we move on to the next question? I'd say for me, um, at the end of uh, after Pete killed Lila, um, <laughs> we've got that long shot of Rocket um, reacting. Mm when he sees Tiefs and Floor were killed in the, in the mayhem. Mm. Um, and I took on that shot and it just as kind of a challenge because it was like, I think it was like a 600 frame shot. It was super long, super close with yeah. nothing going on with the body. It's all just emotion. Yeah. Um, so I thought that would be something that's something I hadn't really had a chance to do too much of um, in my career was just really sink into like, you know, a facial performance yeah. and, and an emotional performance like that, that goes on for quite a long time. So it was a, it was a challenge to do, but it was, uh, yeah, yeah, I think it, it was great. Is that, is that the, sh is that the show Chris where Rocket bend his knee halfway through and yeah. just, you feel that the way, yeah, you yeah. lost, uh, yeah. you lost it here. Yeah. And it's a great shot. It's going to be the new Rocket from there. Yeah. It's a great shot. But again, Alexi, that was from Sean Gunn, right? Like you were saying, that was his, wow. he put that in yeah, there yeah. and that's something you know, that's something as an animator. I mean, we, we shoot reference a lot, but I'm I probably wouldn't have thought to do that that body drop and that you know moment, yeah. but it just like yeah, it just it sold it. It just it was like just that everything was gone and yeah. So that was it for me. Simon, can I mention two more shots? Please do because I love do. so many shots. <laughs> the reveal of Floor, the rabbit, the very first shot, so you are in the shadow in the cage and you have Floor coming. I think from a visual effects standpoint, I'm not sure there is any notes. Like, it's rare that I wouldn't have more notes after the shot is done. But on this one, I think the lighting, the, the emotion on the eye where it comes, and, and, and everything that comes with, you know, like, these characters are really scary because, well, spider mechanical light, Toy Story-like uh, crazy toy. It's really scary with this crazy harsh lighting on them. And suddenly you see him appear. And because the rabbit is so cute as well, and you see the mix of the how, how awful it is for them and the horror, but as well the emotion in them and the fact that this rabbit is just a really nice Gentle character, yeah. A really nice um, person. It, it, I, think, I think it's really good. And one more, if I may. It's a Mike Brunet special. Mm -hmm. It's uh, Mike Brunet is one of our top animators at Framestore, and uh, Chris and Pete can, can talk more about him. He is really, really talented uh, animator. And I think he took uh, on board that, that sequence where uh, Rocket builds that key. And we were looking at references of, uh, of people doing Rubik's Cube, <laughs> and, and really in four seconds, they are. And I think that's the thing about raccoons. They are actually very agile. Mm. Just the animal is just really, really agile. And so we wanted to, to bring that into that performance as well. And I think, <laughs> well, first you have to understand the mechanic. Like we had to build a key, but we had to slice it into pieces and make sure that there is a real, uh, like it's cohesive the way he build it. But we wanted to bring that. And I think everything here, when you watch the shot, is just so quick, but there is so much in the animation. It just works for me. And I, I, you really feel everything into that shot. You feel how, how smart he is. You feel how agile he is. You feel that he, the hope that he's going to save and, and escape mm. and, and, and bring the key. I think, and the key is such a, is such a MacGuffin in the movie because he used the key at the end and, yeah. and, uh, and he remembers the key. So, 
So it's a really important moment that key, and I really love that shot as well. Anyway, there is so many. Nothing goes over my head. My reflexes are too fast. I would catch it. Yeah, um, yeah, we could, we could go on, couldn't you? But yeah, I agree. I think almost that whole movie leads up to that moment, doesn't it? Because we've this is the first time we've seen Rocket as this uber intelligent, almost kind of created being, right? And then he, you know, how you see he's, he's so tactile when he's putting that together, and you see how his hands move and all of that. It is an amazing scene. So yeah, thank you for sharing that, Alexi. Well, that was part one. Join us for part two of the Framestore podcast out this Thursday as we continue to discuss the monumental achievement of Framestore's VFX and animation craft on Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 with Alexi, Chris and Pete. I love you guys. Just like an angel